All right. Good morning and welcome to the new media show. My name is Todd Cock. Of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Rob Greenlee. Good morning, Rob. How are you? Hey, Todd. It's great to be back doing the show. It's always, uh, it, if it's Saturday, it's the new media show. That's my old saying. Well, <laughs> yes, it is. And, you know, I've got, I've got something funny to share with you. Uh, here in Honolulu, we've had uh, record low temperatures. Um, it was. Oh, it's cold here too. It, yeah. it, it got down to sixty-eight in Honolulu yesterday. Whoa! <laughs> and people are wearing coats. No. <laughs> yeah. Coats in yeah. Hawaii. You know, when you've lived here for your entire life, and it's normally like a mean temperature of eighty-five or so. When it gets down in, uh, you know, below seventy, people put coats on here. It's crazy. Not heavy yeah. coats, but you know. Yeah. Um, my wife is like, last night, shut the windows, it's freezing. I'm like, it's 70 degrees, honey. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, it's perfect. I love it when it's like this here, but uh, not good for the tourists. But anyway, I, sorry, I'm digressing here about the weather. But uh, I know many of you are listening or watching this show and you're, uh, you know, what are you in the teens, Rob, or where, where are you guys at? You, of course, in Seattle, doesn't get that cold, but yeah, it's just it's it's down in the upper upper twenties in Seattle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's so, not, but that's that's cold for Seattle, and if we get any kind of weather front coming in, it can create some snow, and that kind of drives everybody crazy because there's a lot of hills in Seattle. So. Yeah, and you guys aren't really that prepped for snow weather, but anyway, so. uh yeah. You know, it's uh, you can definitely tell it is getting close to uh, Christmas and the end of the year here because uh, the news cycle has slowed down. Well, it's been slowing down for a while, though. There's not as much uh, press coverage of, you know, if we're talking about podcasting here, um, it's, it, it's been slowing down for a while. Yeah. Uh, a kind of kind of big important stuff, I would say. I mean, there's just a constant stream of. Um, little stuff that comes out, but, uh, and, and really it's, I mean, a lot of it that comes out has been a lot of fodder for us because, uh, there's a lot of kind of misinformation that c gets put out right now. Right. So, but I think old, old information or not very relevant information and a lot of hype. Yeah. And predictions and end of the year wrap ups. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm having a hard time even, I was thinking about maybe we talk a little bit about predictions today, but I, I just didn't. And I was just like, I don't know what to, you know, what really to, to predict. I, I have a, you know, I think we talked a little bit about in the last show. I have a few ideas, yeah. but, uh, you know, I think one thing that, um, you know, I'm seeing is, uh, um, the continued influx of, uh, of new folks, uh, Mike Dell, yeah. my, my support guy, a primary support guy at Raw Voice at Blueberry, uh, you know, the one that answers the phone for tech support calls. Um, he uh, he told me last week was kind of newbie week. Lots of uh, uh, new podcasters getting their, their shows together. And we're kind of trying to keep track, um, you know, and I have a little spreadsheet set up. And if it's a new person or if it's existing that's having a trouble, we're trying to kind of trend what's happening from a support standpoint. And, um, you know, kind of looking at that trending report, uh, I, I think we've seen strong, strong new listeners here at the end of the year, which is, uh, you know, good for us as a business wise, but, uh, also I think good for the space because 
you know, people continue to influx in. Yeah. Plus, uh, Apple put out their best of 2016 list, yeah. um, which is a little different format this year than what we've seen in the past. Yeah, this year uh, they did uh, apps, music, movies, and more, right? I think, right? Yeah. Well, actually, I think they've done that. Yeah, I used to be involved in that when I worked at uh, on Zune. We'd put out the best of music and movies and stuff like that, too. So this, this is a every year kind of thing that a lot of the big platforms do. Um, but I thought that the, there was less of an, of a push towards like a ranking, which Mm -hmm. is what they've done in the past and more of just, you know, let's just put up a, you know, a page that shows a, a, a list of the shows that we liked or were the staff favorites or something like that. It wasn't so much like in the past was kind of of like a ranking, like the best podcast of the year was this one Mm -hmm. or, you know, that kind of thing. It was a little bit more low key. And which which I think is good. So they said editorial selections like True Crime Podcast, My Favorite Murder, and comedy show Two Dope, Two Dope Queens draw loyal followings. And yeah. then um, they uh, also said the podcast hit an impressive milestone in 2016 with Apple listeners consuming over 10 billion downloads and streams over the past 12 months via iPhone, iPad, Apple TV, and desktop. And, yeah, I uh, believe James James put that out on his Twitter feed. I saw it's the guy that runs podcasting at Apple. But, um, but they did say the top show that was downloaded is Fresh Air from NPR. So it was the top downloaded podcast of the year, at least on Apple. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, I, you know, I don't think I've ever listened to that show, but you know, and yeah, I've it, listened to it before. It's it's a well produced show. I mean, it's also on the uh, on the radio as well. Mm-hmm. So. Well, yeah. NPR continues to rack it up, you know. Um, you know, it yeah. just goes to show you having that that machine over there behind you is definitely a lot of help. Yeah. Well, the radio distribution does help with the oh yeah the built, built branding out. and getting getting people exposed to it and creating word of mouth and and the the content that they produce is is high quality stuff and it's timely. They've got staff that's working on it full time and. Um, so that's, that's what you get. Yeah. But that's the kind of the extent of their, at least what I saw in the newsroom, unless you saw anything else that they put out, did you see anything else that was tweeted or? Oh, as far as Apple is concerned? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I didn't see any too much in detail from James. No, but, um, Apple seems to be chugging along though. There's this undercurrent, I think in the industry right now of, you know, we need to build distribution outside of Apple and um, kind of move away from trying to, you know, and kind of take it back under under proprietary platforms. I think we saw that in the, you know, some of the topics we talked about last year. But um, there's just a lot of people that are that I guess get nervous when they're they feel like they're too dependent on one platform. Yeah. Uh, and there's a pullback from that. They're like going, well, Apple is getting too powerful in this medium, <laughs> which they've been powerful for all along, but th- there's nothing new about that. Right. Um, how can we change that? And the, the way we can change it is by creating our own proprietary platform and having our content available on only our platform is the answer. And that's, it's not really the answer. <laughs> 
So it's a, you know, it's one of those situations too where, and by the way, it's absolutely pouring here. So if you guys are hearing that in the background, I mean, it is coming down cats and dogs. Monsoon season, huh? uh, No. (laughs) I'm getting a little feedback uh, through my mic. So if you hear that, I apologize. The windows are are open here. The let's, I was going to talk about SSL certificates just for a little bit on a technical side. There was a report that Apple had opened up or changed their system to support the Let's Encrypt SSL certificates. And matter of fact, one podcasting company went out and so much to say is, yes, it works. Um, we want people to not uh, rush here to uh, to employ Let's Encrypt. We're, the word we got back from Apple was no. Um, initially, no, it's, it's not. But... Uh, Yet their system took it and took a, a Let's Encrypt HTTPS feed with um, seemingly no problems. But at the same time, uh, you know, we're, we don't know if they're testing and just not ready to announce that it does. But um, Well, I have uh, a question. Why exactly do we feel the need to um, specialize in crypt our RSS feeds? Um, well, a lot, of pe- sure. a lot of people are going to HTTPS on their websites and when they do that that means that uh, yeah that's true that's true it, the yeah. the uh, feed is automatically encrypted so yeah um, yep. but it's not for RSS feeds it's not necessary it's but. not necessary and actually Apple's making an exception all apps have to support HTTPS and a variety of other things but Apple has said already that they can't expect uh, the 97 percent of shows that don't have HTTPS to uh, do the implementation that is very true. Yeah. So they're, you know, they're not gonna, you know, have a January one deadline of making this uh, switch over. Rob, can you hear that feedback on your side? Yeah, I can. Yep. Yeah. I think it's a little, maybe something a little more than the rain. Maybe not. I don't know. No, I don't think it's the rain. It seems to be coming from your your microphone and your audio source. Yeah, it's weird. I wonder if I've got a loose connection someplace. Could be. Yeah. Hmm. Because it seems like it gets worse as your volume goes up. Yeah, as I, although when the, uh, as the rain has slowed down here, it's gone away. Uh, Interesting. ah, It is interesting. I was, I was, it kept getting closer. I was like, what's going on? So it's still there a little bit. So I will. Maybe it's some sort of a static thing that is generated. Yeah, it could be with the the rain, with the compressor as well. So. Or, yeah. huh. that's, a, that's a first, but it was raining like, oh my goodness, cats and dogs. But it's still there a little bit, and it might be the compressor pumping a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But uh, there was definitely a couple of articles, but you're right, the whole podcast predictions and trends for 2017 are starting to come out, and which should continue probably through mid-January. Um, and there's a couple of them out there right now. Yep. So I want to say good morning to uh, folks that are up on the live stream. I want to thank you for being here. I want to thank, uh, welcome Paul and Mike and uh, Zandar. Who else? Uh, I think there's some folks on YouTube as well. Just check in the chat room and say hi. But I'm um, hearing someone. Oh, that must that Slack is going crazy. Someone's having a discussion in some group. 
So, Rob, you put up uh, an article talking about visualizing podcast trajectory. So, what was the genesis of uh, of that uh, of that article that you put on uh, Spreaker? The okay, this is the one that was put out by podcast websites. Is that the one you're referring to? No, the one that you put out that was a an, oh, a okay. podcast that basically says visualizing podcast trajectory with Rob Greenlee. Oh, that that was a audio uh, conversation that I did with the um, the the publisher and editor of um, Pod to Pod. Yeah, it was a podcast recording. Okay, so did you guys? You so guys if you just... go into that, if you go into that, yeah, I did it back at the end of October with uh, Matthew, who runs the editorial on Pod to Pod dot com. Yep. So if you scroll down there, there, um, and it was just a conversation about the trends in podcasting. And I talked about the launch of our new embedded player from Spreaker and, you know, that has a lot, a lot of visual elements in it, um, which is, that's been popping up quite a bit. I did notice that, uh, there's, there's more of an emphasis right now of, um, the platforms putting out segmented um, audio sharing now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it seems to be kind of a hot platform deployment trend right now. Um, I know right now we're in the middle of putting out some monetization tools on Spreaker um, uh, right now. So there's, there's things happening on the platform side. The, right. the, co- the core platforms in this medium are continuing to add capabilities and features just like you are. I know, uh, uh, you had some announcements this week as well. And I would have had one on Thursday, but the dev team didn't quite get uh, get wrapped up. We're, we're actually have done a complete top-to-bottom, uh, basically go through of our stat system. So there's going to be a brand-new interface that's going to be uh, coming online probably Monday or Tuesday. And then uh, we'll have uh, a new say a new um, section in the system called targeting or targets and i don't know if that's exact well we've been arguing about what to call it but i think targets is going to be the uh um the actual name we're going to actually be able to break out uh, certain types of actual plays like um going to give us a, a separate breakout number per episode on how many times your player on your website was played and uh how many times your podcast was played on twitter so, you yeah. know, some of those types of, uh, you know, just basically individual targets. And then we're going to be. Yeah, sure. And we're going to be introducing a new thing where if folks want to, they can set up their own specific targeting. We're going to give them uh, the ability to add a little function code that allows them to, uh, uh, for a better word, target something specifically if they want to, uh, uh, you know, if they're going into a specific system or something. So we're. Uh, talk about that next week in detail but uh um anyway it's pretty pretty cool hey so moving on from that you 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 did bring up the podcastwebsites.com uh blog post nine podcasting trends you should notice in 2017 written by ramona rice not written by john lee dumas uh which surprisingly he he uh hosts his rss feed on uh, a competing carrier he doesn't even host his rss feed on his own platform which is very surprising but um, that being said, uh, I mean, me and my RSS feeds, right? Um, well, he did. 
he doesn't want to overtax his platform, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's boating a lot of confidence in your own platform if you don't even use your own RSS feed. So, uh, anyway, um, jab. <laughs> <laughs> So Ramona wrote this piece, and Ramona, you know, Ramona's been in space quite a while, and been around, uh, yeah. a known entity, and she says, well, do I haven't read this. Have you, and or do you have some comments on it, or I'm going to skim and do the Reader's Digest version here while you're... Yeah, let's just run through all of the key headlines sure. here of the, of the core nine that's yeah. here. So the first, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Yeah, the first one said there's still plenty of room for podcast audiences to grow. Oh yeah, <laughs> sure. You know, and it, it goes back to my pet peeve I've had for about three years now. I, you know, it, it, and she writes a lot of stuff about Pew Research and some other stuff. But most podcasters could just grow their audience by making sure that they're helping the Android listeners get subscribed. You know, I had someone on Facebook the other day that was yeah. like, uh, oh, you know, my iTunes audience is only this big and that big and da 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 I'm like, went to his website and I'm like, so you're, you don't care about Android listeners? And they're just like, what do you mean? <laughs> just like, like. What are you talking about, like, Todd? Who? Who? Who has, a, who has an Android device? Huh? What? Really? They're important? Really? They're Android? What's that? <laughs> So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there's plenty of room for most podcasters. They can just add a, you know, get their ability to attract Android listeners. If, if nothing else, put a Google Play icon on your website or subscribe on an Android icon on. And, you, you know, you, you just might gain some audience share from that genre. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're talking about the growth in smartphone technology. I, I, I think. The question is, are we really going to see much more growth? In, I think we're going to see, you know, it's it's pretty, you know, everyone, who do, who doesn't have a smartphone at this point? Yeah, that's true. So I don't think there's growth. I think there is maybe usage is going to be increasing. Yeah. I mean, I think we've reached, uh, what what is that? I think uh, 80%, 70-some percent penetration of smartphones. Yeah. It's going to, that... That's not going to continue to uh, grow as fast, safe to say. So, you know, the key you just have to do is make it easy for and make sure your site's mobile ready and all those things you have to, you know, to, to be able to support a mobile listener. And, um, and you know, still the primary way people are still listening, even though it is decreasing a little bit. And I haven't, I, I should run the report for November to see where we're at. But, you know, back in July and August, we did see some, significant you know, like one percentage decreases in in iTunes is uh you know I, when I say that a one percent decrease that's major you know that was a major <laughs> decrease in uh an iTunes saturation so or iOS saturation. Yeah. So yeah. so I'll hope one percent move in a month that's like whoa. Whoa whoa whoa. Yeah. Oh great so, so the next uh the next headline of this kind of top the nine list from podcastwebsites.com is the host emerges as a brand influencer, Todd. Did you know that? Mm. 
So July, a podcast host. Yeah, July of 2005, I've been promoting a specific brand pretty consistently. Uh, yeah. So I would think I've been a brand influencer since the beginning. But yeah, I think this is known. This yeah. is, this is it, it, obviously, it is a trend. So she was careful to how she worded this thing. It's yeah. not like something new emerging, but I, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not innovative, right? No, and, and she didn't say it was innovative. She said this That's is right. a trend. That's right, it's not. That's so right. So can't falter yeah. here at all, but uh, um, yeah, I think. Words matter, Todd. Words matter. Absolutely. She did a good job wording it correctly. So I think yeah. the um, one thing to, you know, always consider, and this is something that, uh, you know, I've been cognizant of a long, long time, is that. You know, to be attractive to a brand, if someone is looking for some brand ambassadors, uh, you know, the last thing you want is a show that is full of cuss words, um, you know, or the content is just completely off the hook, making no sense. So, you know, there's a there's a place for that, but uh, brand agencies and brand managers are are looking for responsible people to be the brand influencer. Well, and there's also another aspect of this too of um, building personal brands. Um, mm-hmm. Podcasts are a great way to do that as well. So, brand, the term brand can be applied to the host as well as to any company that's associated with a a podcast. Um, and it may, I would, I would say it's probably from a podcaster perspective, it's actually more important to focus on. Um, the brand or the perception of you as a host um, in the context of being a, a brand online. Mm-hmm. But that's that's also, like you said, Todd, that there's nothing new about that either. Um, that's been important in this, you know, especially now, I think. I mean, I think what you have to decide is what do you stand for, right? Because um, I think that's how you cut through the the noise today is that you do have to take a stand on something. You do have to, to represent something yep. uh, in order to find an audience these days. Cause people are polarized in their perceptions and people will gravitate towards you. Um, if you have a, a similar bent on things, you know, I think, I think to some degree, you know, just look at this show and I think, I'm I'm definitely more outspoken on this show than I've really pretty pretty much ever been, um, because I think now you kind of have to be. True. One the thing is, and this next topic is a little bit of a well, not necessarily a heartburn topic for me, but um, <laughs> something I've always been concerned about. And but you know, there's two sides to every coin. But talking about monetization avenues open for podcasters from offering services. And she yeah. and she says specifically as as more people decide to try podcasting, number of service for podcasting continues to grow. Not only are individuals setting up podcasting consulting companies, but entire podcasting incubators are opening to great success. I'd like to see some of those success stories. Those these incubators include coaching, mentorship, and the creation of a community for podcasters looking to look forward. So they they got off the word uh, tribe and um, what's the other one that they were using uh. Um, I don't know. So anyway, they've, they've yeah. walked away from those words and I guess they're calling them podcast incubators now. 
Um, you know, the, I don't have a problem setting up podcast consulting companies, but what I typically find is about 90% of the podcast consultants failed as podcasters themselves. So they, they failed as a podcaster, so now they're going to open a consulting company. Uh, and it's not everyone, for sure. Or they've done five podcasts, decided it's too hard, and now they're a podcasting expert and they're going to become a podcast consultant. Um, and then there's the opposite of the coin, where there are individuals that are, you know, have done, had great success and are very well awesome coaches. Um, so I don't know. I think it's a double-edged sword. So I think it's just buyer beware of who you hire and who you associate with and do yeah. your research. That's the only thing I tell people to do is, you know, make sure you, you look at the, you know, who individuals have worked with. And I'd like to see some of those success stories because oftentimes I hear more, more often than not, and I don't want to be a, a naysayer here, but, you know, I end up cleaning up the mess. You know, I have podcasters come me and like, and the next thing we're, we're two hours on the phone with them, unscrewing stuff that it's been not only technically put together wrong, but ingrained in the podcaster that they just don't have, you know, they've spent thousands of dollars and, you know, the, they're, they're still, at, you know, they may have some episodes out, but seen no success and felt taken advantage of. Yeah. It's a, it's a big uh, responsibility being a consultant to someone else and helping them be successful. Yeah. It's not always going to work. Um, even the best consultants right. uh, don't, aren't always successful. And it's, and it's sometimes not the consultant's fault either. So, you know, you gotta, That's be, right. you gotta be fair yeah. here. Oh, it's it. totally that, um, at the end of the day, it's the, it's the podcaster, it's the content creator that's responsible. All the coach can do just like on a, on a basketball team or a football team, all the coach can do is tell you what needs to be done. It's up to you as the player to make it happen, you know? Um, and sometimes people have talent to do that and sometimes they don't, Yeah, you know, um, that's not the, the coach is not going to give you the talent or the skill. All they're going to do is give you ideas on how to get there. Um, it's up to you to make it happen. Someone's saying in here, Mike Kelly saying in the chat room that Pat Flynn is a great example of using good language and not swearing. I think a lot of his success, you know, man, there's, there's a, you know, there's people that love Pat Flynn and people that aren't so enamored with Pat Flynn. And, uh, you know, he's very, yeah, is he talking about John Lee Dumas? You think? No, no. He's talking about Pat oh, Flynn. Uh, oh, about Pat. Okay. And, and Pat Flynn's a, you know, he's a, He's a network marketer, and uh, he's another guy that uh, um, promotes a lot of services, but um, oftentimes don't use the very service that he's promoting, which I think is, you know, that's hypocritical to me. But it, um, but he's done very well in social marketing and being able to do affiliate stuff and uh, get people to buy products that he suggests, and, and he's done very, very well on the network marketing side. So, um Anytime, you know, I'm, I am a marketer. I market my service. Rob is a, you know, and, and, but at the same time, we're also podcasters and I'm not saying that's not the case in his situation either, but, um, you, you know, I, I always am, um, very, very careful to who I associate my brand with. And, uh, um, 
it's I just leave it at that, I guess. So I think you have to. I think that's that's what that's how the world judges us today. Right. You know? And 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 again, nothing against he's nothing against Pat Flynn. He's he got a, he's got a very successful uh business. He yeah. does he's doing stuff very good, helping people out. That's great. You know? Yeah. Um, and the, and at the end of the day, it, it, I mean, at least you know, both of us, it it really is about helping people. Right. Um, I mean, I don't get paid. I'm not a paid consultant to podcasters. Um, I really have. I don't believe I really have ever been. Um, I've been a paid consultant to platforms, um, but. I've never really wanted to be a consultant to podcasters. Mm -hmm. Um, I've wanted to work in a more broad sense across uh, many podcasters and be able to be empowered by working on a, on a, on a platform that can help with distribution and just be a resource to the podcast community to, you know, share my experience and share, what I, I, what I can contribute, which um, is not a complete solution by any stretch of the imagination. I don't know everything about the podcasting space. Um, I can only share what my experience has been and what I see. Um, so, you know, I know, Todd, you've done probably some more consulting than I have, I think. But I, I generally consult with companies. I very rarely take on individual podcasters. Yeah. No, I'm in the same yeah. same same vein i just don't yeah. have time you know i i could have a full-time business just doing that well it's also about um having the time to to really have an impact um and i think focusing on helping companies or platforms is the way to have the biggest impact yeah well she goes on to say in this uh, in this trend that uh that we're seeing or she's seeing is that they're no, she's noticing a rise in podcasters outsourcing part or all of their podcast podcasts, post-production efforts. And, um, I am seeing a, a lot of companies that popped up that are doing post-production work. I think it also depends on the type of content you're recording, you know, for a show like mine, the, the post producer has to be sitting in the chair that produced the content because really, you know, the content that I produce, at least with my, personal show at eat new central is there is no post there you know it's 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 uh it's in a death spiral down uh in in viability from the second uh you know i'm already usually 12 hours behind because it's a it's talking about the news you know so you know it it has an ex expiration date on it um and and the milk goes sour pretty fast <laughs> so uh um you know, for get it up uh, and get it out fast. Yeah, right. for a topical the, show, you have to yeah. get it up, get it out. Now, if you're doing interviews, then you know probably uh, you've got time to send that media off and have it come back a week later. I don't. I just don't have that. So I guess maybe that's uh, you know. And I've always said, you know, Rob, we've talked on it a hundred times on this show. We d we don't edit <laughs> at all. Probably yeah. to probably to the detriment of the show, but. It is what it is, right? Yeah. So as you think about your show, Todd, I mean, what are you doing um, here over the last couple of years that is different than what you were doing three or four years ago? That's significant. Is there? I mean, I mean, you're. I mean, you've got your finger on the pulse of this this business, and 
And what are you finding is working with your show these days? I'm using a, I'm using a lot of uh, things that uh, radio guys do. You know, I listen to I listen to some of the better radio folks and take and I cue from them, and it's just like, okay, number one, I never used to introduce topics about what I was going to talk about in the show. So now it's right at the very top of the show. I yeah. I talk about five or six things that are, you know, the headliners for the show, even though I talk about 25 articles. And, um, you know, I try to get through the attempt to get through the introduction faster uh, to get to the content. That that rarely happens, but it's I, I attempt. Um, and, and also I got, you know, and it's because we're doing both audio and video, I have to continue, and I actually put a little post-it note here on my computer that uh, it says people are listening, not watching. And I have to remind myself, because I'm doing video, I have to remind myself that the primary yeah. audience is I'm talking to are not don't have a visual sense of what I'm putting on the screen for them to see. So, um you know, so that's the, the rut I've really worked at over the last couple of years to try to continue to remember that I'm talking to them. They're not seeing what, what's on the screen. But you do need to add value to those that are taking the time to download the video and watch the video, too. So I guess it's just a matter of making sure that you're producing an audio podcast as your primary focus versus um, catering to the video audience, right? Yeah. Hey, I did get a message, a uh, private message chat. Mike, I mean, to, uh, Rob, Mike would like your contact info. Can you give him your contact details now uh, during the show? They've asked for it. Oh, well, mine? Yeah. Um, uh, it's just rob at spreaker.com. Um, I'd be happy to give you my phone number, too, if you want. <laughs> so anyway, I, I think an email will suffice. Okay. Okay, so anyway, yeah, so, you know, going back to this article, the... You know, podcasters are, you know, they're turning their production over to editors. And if you can afford to do that, that's great. Um, you know, I remember, <laughs> I remember a time when podcasters were complaining if the hosting was, uh, you know, a couple bucks. Um, and they're now hiring editors. And uh, <laughs> that always makes me laugh now because, uh, you know, that in the early, do you remember in the early days, people were, oh my God, they were so cost conscious. Oh uh, yeah. You know, 20, what do you mean I have to pay $20 for hosting? What? And get these so expensive. abusive yeah. emails. I never, I never get those once in a while. Now I do get emails from uh, customers once in a while that says, well, you're a little more expensive than someone else. And I'm, I'm like, uh, well, it's because we have a, cleaner production process and give them the reasons why and all that stuff. So, um, it's just, uh, <laughs> so well, that's, people, that's where the, the whole $5 a month hosting plans came from, from, from yeah, Lipson when yeah. they first started doing that. Yeah. Cause people were like, Oh my God, this is too expensive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. You want to tackle the smartphones becoming the dominant force of mobile buying? Uh, I think that's been going on for a while. But I'm not buying stuff on my mobile phone. Yeah, I don't, I'm not, sh yeah. I mean, I agree with that, but I do think that it's a, there's a lot of people that are. Um, I keep hearing about people that are doing all their Christmas shopping on their Android tablets or oh, tablet, Android maybe. phones. Yeah. 
But I did. But, you know, if I, if I want to look at something at Amazon and go through the reviews yeah. and. Well, Todd, I think we probably need to back up, and I think o- over the next couple of years, I think we may have to start changing our our references in uh, under the term mobile, because um, I believe that the the computing industry is in a big shift right now. From the standpoint of, um, I think most people have thought of mobile devices as smartphones. Yeah. Um, but I, I think ultimately, and I think um, Microsoft, I hate to say, maybe, I don't know if they'll be leading the charge on this, but um, I think that there's going to be a movement towards just mobile devices. And more and more, the smartphone capabilities that people have always associated with a phone are going to come to every device. Yeah. So that distinction between what a mobile devices and a smartphone um, is going to get much more broad than it is, I think, in perception right now. Well, according to the survey that she quoted, uh, mobile devices is set to grow 65% of the American marketplace in 2017. That's up from 58 in 2016. The reason is more and more smartphones give options like larger screen sizes and faster connectivity. And I'll admit my iPhone 7 is much faster than my iPhone 6. Yeah. You know, and also, you know, if you think about the the comment here, larger screen sizes, that takes you into yeah. tablet and laptop territory. Yeah. So these these things are blending together, um, and it may be a a way for these big computer manufacturers to salvage the tablet business. Um, and, and yet, I've got a twenty six inch monitor right in front of me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know. yeah. I mean, I've got a. <laughs> I've got a 27 inch in front of me right now. Yeah. So, hey, Rob, I'm gonna I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna grab something. Uh, I'm, if you can hold the four here for about 40 seconds, sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna show something that I made a decision on that may will maybe will drive a little more conversation. I'll flip to you. Hang on. Okay. Uh, the next one on the podcast website's uh, trend list is uh, live stream continues to grow. Live streaming is a uh, I know something that speaker does as well. And, but I think it's really been driven based on what's been going on with uh, platforms like Meerkat and Periscope. Um, these are, these tend to be platforms that are important to a certain segment of the podcasting community. Um, and it's always been, been important. Um, so it's, it's interesting that they make a comment here about live streaming continues to grow. Um, I don't know that audiences are necessarily growing real fast around live streaming. Um, but it is important to podcasters, a certain segment of podcasters to, to live stream. I'm back. And one thing that to add to that is, and it's a funny story I shared on my own show, uh, on Thursday was that Periscope just opened live streaming to everyone. It had been in beta for a while, but they'd released it to everyone on Thursday. So my son, my youngest son, my 12-year-old, he doesn't have a smartphone yet, uh, largely because of the actions of his brother and sister has uh, tainted us a little bit, and he's waiting. He's going to wait a little longer for a smartphone. But he does use my iPad in the car, and he does have the access to the iPhone 6 that, he, that I just you know, down, up, well, downgraded from um, 
or upgraded from, whatever. The um, so he has been he's got his Periscope account set up, and he, so the phone's in the car. It's he doesn't take it into school, and um, and he was supposed to be out waiting for me, but I knew his friends are all on Periscope, and he had left himself logged in to uh, Periscope. Um, uh, in the car and when he got out to, you know, the day before or whatever. And I had to laugh because I opened Periscope thinking, okay, I'll message one of his friends to tell him to come to the car. <laughs> instead of, instead of this 50 year old guy tramping through a middle school, um, with just let out with all these kids around. I, th- I thought that was probably not advisable, you know, just, just weird, you know, <laughs> schools and, you know, parents going through the, you know, hunting for the kids probably is normal, but, uh, you know, the schools can frown upon it. And sure. um, <laughs> so I opened up the Periscope app and I saw a friend of his, which is was a girl that I know who she is. Um, I've talked to her before uh, school functions or whatever. And, you know, they, it's a little gang of them that run together. And I clicked on her profile to send her a message to tell him to come to the car. And she's live with her girlfriend. And I didn't really realize it. And, he, and then I really felt kind of like Creepers Jeepers because I'm watching a live stream of a middle schooler. Um, not only that, I had the windows down in the car and I heard them talking. And they were right behind me sitting on a bench. Two girls that were live streaming on Periscope. Um, and I obviously clicked off. But as I Did I, they know that they were live streaming? They or knew. Just, they knew they, they were they live streaming. And I didn't, okay. and I had missed the live button. I had just looked at the name and clicked the name, and um, it it made me set back a little bit. I, and I, he showed up like on his own, like five minutes later. I was just impatient, and um, I said, "Did you know that?" Uh, and I named the two girls. We're are we're live streaming just now on Periscope. He's like, "You can live stream in Periscope." He didn't hear. He, well, he had not heard the news, but the girls had. So they were live streaming, and I didn't look or anything like that to see how many people were tuned in or however they do that on Periscope. I, and for the record, I, don't even, I, I may have a Periscope account. I may have uh, put something up once or twice. But it made me go, hmm. And what? And it, it ties back to an article. I don't know if we talked about it last week. Maybe, or maybe it was a YouTube article I saw somewhere about our kids are connected, Rob, and they are going to be living life live online. Uh, oh, yeah. There's going to be huge, huge, huge numbers of folks. These kids have had tablets in their hands since they were babies. They're used to being socially online. Um, you talk about the reality show of the future. There is There is something that is coming. There is a wave of new generation of they're not going to podcast. They're going to they're going to be doing live to their friends, yeah. having babies, uh, you name it. Those moments are all going to be live. Friends are not going to be necessarily with them, but they can be with them if they want to be. Well, and if you think about the the trend line around mixed reality that's coming, um, aug- augmented reality and virtual reality, the the blending of those things, and you think about live streaming, you can. You can start, to, I think, piece together what the future looks like for the Gen Xers and the Millennials. Yep. 
Yeah. Uh, even, even the younger kids, um, yeah. that, that that's going to be an important part of their, their world. They're going to have digital augmentation of their reality. And that could be used as a tool to create content, um, online. Yeah. On live, live streams or as, as you know, the, the whole concept of audio podcasting and, you know, Todd, I've, you know, you and I have both been in this space for a long time and, and we started in this space doing a lot of video and we're still doing a lot of video, yep. um, on, on demand video, um, as a podcast feed, we still have a podcast feed that has video in it, yep. uh, which is unusual these days. Um, I just wonder, you know, I, I think you've tapped into something that's really kind of at the core of where the future of this medium looks like. I, th- I think it's going to become more and more important to have video in this medium. It's, but not in an hour and 30 minute show. No, probably mm, not. It's going to be like ours. No, it, it's going to be a, <laughs> it's going to be a 10 minute snapshot live show is what well, it's going yeah, I mean, you think about Snapchat. It's yeah. a good example of that, right? Um, yeah. Those those funny little videos that they have with the the the, the graphics and warped facial um, kind of uh, things that you can do in those videos that are funny and. I'd like uh, to have the psychological very, profile of a top ten Snapchat user because I think they're <clears throat> stuck on themselves. <laughs> Is that the correct way to say it? I, I, well, that's, that gets back to that personal brand thing. Yeah. Gets yeah, back yeah, to yeah. The, they're all celebrities. It's yeah. the celebrity a- aspiration. And the asp, the key, that's a key word. Aspiration. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same thing was, it was uh, alluded to in that YouTube article about these kids doing stuff and actually parents encouraging it. They want their kids to be YouTube stars. Yeah. So, um, and some of them are going to be because they're going to have, you know, by the time they're 18, they're going to have 15 years of experience promoting and doing funny stuff in front of a camera. I do want to just, and it may not fit in completely, but I, when I went offline there for a second and grabbed something, um, uh, you talk about smartphones become the dominant force of mobile buying, and it talks about, you know, people being mobile. Uh, and you, you alluded to Microsoft uh, potentially, you know, starting to, invader improve upon that space a little bit and we know that you know it's all the platforms apple it's you know they've been one platform for a while where you have this agnostic experience across machines but missteps can cause dramatic shifts in um in marketplace and uh, as you all know rob for many many years when i travel i edit on a macbook pro uh, my MacBook Pro is a 2011 model. It's a little long in the tooth for some of the stuff I'm trying to do. I'm starting to, you know, have, uh, uh, you know, life expectancy issues with the battery. You know, lots of things are going on. And I was looking for a replacement. Well, let me show you my MacBook replacement. And oh. a Windows 10 MSI gaming machine wow um that thing's beefy this is the trade-off that you make (laughs) you don't have a sleek beautiful thin uh, macbook pro um i ended up with a probably 
three pound, four pound heavier machine, but it delivers what I need. Yes, it delivers what I need on performance. Sometimes style and factor can only take you so far. And when you need a machine that uh, will gen or, or render that uh, you know, 15 minute video in eight minutes uh, instead of 30 um, or whatever the number may have been with the new MacBook Pro, um, you know, I got the latest gen processor. I've got, uh, you know, 32 gigs of RAM. I've got uh, two SSDs in this bad boy, um, you know, 1070 GTX and NVIDIA card. You know, it's got everything it needs. It's not, it's not this compact thing. It is going to be heavier to carry around. But when I fire it up and it goes, it's going to rock the world. And uh, guess what? It costs about one half, one half of what um, a, a Mac, the new MacBook Pro did. Didn't even get as close in these features um, would have cost. So, um, yeah, I, I, and I know there's Mac users out there that was like, I would never carry that big thing. Well, if you're, if you're creating video, um, and you're, you're waiting on stuff and you're paying 3000 effing dollars for a, a, a device that's not even using a current generation yeah. Intel processor that's brand new. Um, so this is the misstep that Apple, at least in my aspect, cost them because uh, I didn't go with the MacBook Pro. I looked at it hard, really did, tried to justify yeah. multiple ways. So the marketplace is still open for other players to come in and, and shake the industry up. Yeah, no, I agree. Performance is, is continuing to be important. Um, oh, for me, and, and I agree with you. I think that Apple is kind of um, put a little bit more style over function. Um, and to some degree, you know, even Microsoft did that. I, I was watching windows weekly, um, with Leo and he had one of the, the new surface, uh, studio devices, Mm -hmm. you know, that big flat screen that goes up and down. Yep. Um, and I guess he had to replace the assets, the SSD in that, that, uh, computer because I guess they had a hybrid drive in there that was only pulling about a hundred megs per second or something like that. Mm. Um, and it, it just wasn't, it just wasn't up to snuff and, and, and Leo put in a full SSD in that thing and, and it just, it, it rocks now it screams. So, you know, I don't know if it's just a cost-cutting move on the part of these th- these manufacturers that they're putting slow hard drives in these computers to save money. Uh, that that would be the easiest answer, but I think all, all these companies need to take a little, I guess, wake up to the realities that people aren't going to put up with low low-performing hard drives anymore. Oh, and it, this this thing's got five USB 3.0 ports. It's got a Display Port. It's got a HDMI port. It's got a place to connect a LAN cable. Um, you, know, you know, I don't have to have 10 dongles. Um, yeah, or a USB hub, right? Right. So, yeah, is it bigger? Yep. 
it's bigger. So that's the price you pay. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'll be honest with you, man. It, it was, I, the old credit card kept trying to inch its way out of my wallet with the MacBook Pro because it, it's beautiful. But beauty over substance is, uh, I think people just get sucked in, you know. Yeah. And um, anyway, so I've, I've diverted us from the nine trends. <laughs> um, next topic is customization of content becoming more customized. Um, I'm not really sure what what they're talking about here, really. Okay, so customization content has become increasingly important in many respects, not only because there are so many options for consumers to get content, but because businesses are trying to get to the particular niche they're looking to sell. So this is about, I guess, niche content. A trend that emerged in 2016 is segmented audience segments deliver customized content. Email services like Aweber and ConvertKit are making it easier to tag subscribers based on actions on your webpage According to MailChimp, segmented campaigns perform markedly better than their non-segmented counterparts, including a less than 10% unsubscribe rate. Okay, so podcasts themselves are starting to organize and niche within themselves. Many podcasts are experimenting with using seasons, taking one theme over the course of multiple shows. This niching within podcasts themselves will allow for better discoverability. Um, so this seasons thing is total bunk. Yeah. Se- if you're doing seasons, uh, sorry. Um, yeah, seasons well, are- I mean, we've talked about this on the show oh. before, but um, seasons is is more about the content producer than it is about the, the listener. Um, and it's typically a cost-saving move, and it's typically being done by shows that have high, high production values. Um, but it's also a technique to save save production money uh or if you want to produce something um that has a lot of elements in it that you need time to produce it that's or it's just the podcasters well there's there could be multiple things going on here but um or or you have a sponsor or you have you know an underwriting that is only for so many limited um shows um that also goes on. Um, but, but I think primarily seasons is not a technique that, um, builds successful long-term audiences for a podcast. Um, I don't know, Todd, I mean, it's a technique that's used in television. I've been podcasting for a season so far, a season of 12 years. Or if you're doing seasons, you want to go from season one to season two. If you're recording uh, every Friday, season one should end on Friday, and then the yeah. next Friday, season two should start. And I think, I mean, in in linear storytelling, um, maybe chapters or seasons mm. can make a little more sense. Um, I mean, you just case example serial. Uh, you you pick a topic and you take it through its timeline, and then it's done. It's kind of like an audiobook, right? But their That's season, kinda, their season one to season two hurt them. Oh, totally. Oh, oh I yeah, one hundred percent. They lost their momentum because yes, they, they stopped. They stopped. And that's a common uh, characteristic of pod fading. What was even season two about? 
on season. On I cereal. have no idea, and I don't care. No, no idea. You didn't hear nothing about it throughout the year. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure they had a great audience, but they didn't get the buzz. Now, what the they se- should have done, what they should have done was, it's fine to change your focus of the content, but don't have like a two or three month, or right. four month gap right. Right. between your producing content. Right. You're gonna lose your audience. Yeah. There's a certain percentage of it will come back, but it's a certain percentage of it will come back. Mm-hmm. And so, it's going to be much less than what you had developed up to that point. I think Serial made a huge strategic mistake. Oh, um, I just, I did. And the thing is, we knew it. We talked about it before it even happened, Rob. We talked yeah. about it on this show about, boy, oh boy, this is not good. So, yeah. And you just look back on it now, and sure, hindsight's twenty twenty at this point, but. Well, we it was pretty it. clear to us at the time. Yeah. So again, I don't know if she's referring to that they're going to con- a content segment and and send different shows to different people. Um, I don't know if that's what the full meaning of this paragraph is. It's not completely clear. But um, you could do that with the whole dynamic insertion capability. You could yeah. dynamically create shows on the fly. Yeah. And give every listener a little different experience that, that would definitely be interesting to see a case study on that. But, yeah. um, anyway, you know, you know, a Weber and MailChimp, great services. Um, but you know how much I pay for my newsletter mail service? Zero Google groups a- and uh, mail only function. Zero dollars for Google Groups, and it's just send my newsletter out, and it costs me nothing. Free is the way. <laughs> if I gotta pay, no way. So again, if you, depending on it, <laughs> <laughs> if you if you are a you know a marketeer, and this is real important to you, and I know there's and I know Mailchimp and Weber have lots of uh, you know you know if you're trying to convert people to buying something, then I guess. I'm just trying to inform people, so maybe I'm I'm not their niche customer. And I've used both products, by the way. I've used AWeber and Mailchimp, and um, so mm-hmm. it's I you know I'm familiar with the product line. All right, native advertising will continue to grow, and this is an interesting um, content because I agree with it that native advertising will continue to grow. But I've had um, I had a very I got to be careful here. Had a very big publisher. Um, we had a call uh, last week, and we spent a lot of time on this. And um, the average, the the publisher wants to be able to um, capture the high CPMs of of host endorsed native advertising, and um, in the product that they have existing. Um, using voice talent. So without going into who they are, um, they want to be able to um, utilize their voice talent that's going to be creating the content to do the native advertising to maintain the um, the higher CPM rates. And uh, they understand the, you know, the implementation of that is, is much more difficult. Um, but uh, I think that Someone who I would have expected to want to go with a, you know, pre-can solution, something that would, they wouldn't have to think about it, just set it, you know, set it and forget it, was actually conscious enough to say, let's, I want to employ native advertising in 
our big body of content versus, you know, letting it play a Geico ad. So um, native advertising is is going to continue to grow. Yeah. I mean, it's the combination really of um, dynamic insertion and native advertising that um, may be what the future looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, though. I just wonder around native advertising, you know, it's going to be difficult to scale that. Um, well, okay. I don't know. It's it's also been mostly direct response companies up to this point. Correct. So the direct response folks are going to want native advertising. You're not; those folks are always going to want native. They're not going to want to pre-can, pre-roll. So mm-hmm. I think you can have a combination of both. You can mm-hmm. have a pre-can, pre-roll that is non-native. That's from Geico or whoever, and then you can have a native advertisement in the system that is from from GoDaddy or Casper or Blue Apron or, you know, brand like that. Um, And then on a post roll, you can have another canned ad from, you know, Ford or whoever. So I think uh, uh, that combination gives you the best of both worlds. So we'll see. We'll see what happens here. But um, not all hosts, too. You know, we have found that some hosts are not good at executing brand advertising or native advertising. So... It all depends on it the takes host. a talent it takes talent to voice those mm-hmm. ads and have them be believable and authentic and and keep the listeners' attention you know yep not everybody can do it takes takes practice now here's one thing that i you know the folks folks can take a lesson from me on this um, trivial warfare podcast where the host played against others in trivia. Jonathan Oaks, the host of the show, started running ads for Loot Crate for the last week of March and managed to convert 198 sales in that one week. That was roughly 10% of the audience at the time. The next month, they had 17 sales, and in May, they returned 11. Jonathan decided to stop running ads during the summer because he felt his audience had enough exposure to them and that it would be more effective to give it a rest and then come back six months or a year and run another big cycle of the ads. So here is where podcasters have to figure out how to have sustainment in their advertising. Um, We ran Citrus Go to Meeting for a long time, five or six years, and largely the same shows month after month, quarter after quarter. And what I looked for in the shows that we ran that advertising with is, is a strategy that we employ on my site today i look for shows that we had um not all because there were some exceptions there but i look for uh, shows that also were doing original content on their websites Mm -hmm. so we were continuing getting traffic into the website on uh from the original content that was being written that was converting people to new listeners come in listen to a few episodes react to the ad you know, you catch your conversions up. Some of the shows that were on the advertising campaign had significant long tail. Uh, quick and Dirty Tips ran, Citrix Go to Meeting, Go to My PC, Go to Webinar, all those products with us for years. And um, 
the reason that they were able to continue to put those in those shows year after year is they had this long tail ability in their shows, even though uh, the majority of the advertising was being put in new episodes, very, very little of it was uh, being kept in the in the old catalog. They had enough volume and also not old enough um, repeat listener base coming into the older shows to, you know, drive performance as well. So, um, you know, if a show has this fixed audience that is not amassing new listeners, yeah, you're going to you're going to hit a wall pretty fast on most um, advertising campaigns. And this is one of the reasons why I feel that my GoDaddy sponsorship has lasted 12 years um, is that I continue to bring in new listeners and, you know, they come in, they come and they leave, they come and they leave, they come and they leave. Um, so I think, you know, that is something to look at if you're doing native advertising. What's your you know, what's your strategy to continue to bring in new audience members to keep that advertising viable? Um, yeah. And it's the same thing with affiliate marketing. You know, you got to have new new faces on the affiliate marketing side to be able to continue the revenue growth. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I guess um, we'll see. But, you know, you look at Mark Marin and all those guys, you know, they uh, – I don't know how much their audiences are growing, but they continue to be successful running stamps.com and you know a lot of those ads that they've been running for years. Well, I think that there's just a lot of turnover of audience. Um, I mean, as long as they're continuing to flow through a steady stream of audience, and if I think back to some of the, the, the numbers that I've seen people subscribing and unsubscribing and and coming in and out of shows constantly um, does keep that that audience fresh uh, for reaching um, for those advertisers. Yeah, and I think as long as that happens, um, I mean, ideally, what you want is a is a show that continues to add new audience, not have half of them drop out every month and then uh, half of them new which means that you're basically running in place yeah um which i do think happens a lot with a lot of shows yeah i think there's a lot of shows that are static in their growth because they're constantly replacing their audience yeah um i think that's a big big uh issue for a lot of shows we've got a comment in the chat room a pet peeve uh, Mike says, the one thing I hate so much about podcasting is when they say episode number X. Nobody in the radio or television industry says this before their episodes. Well, that's true. I don't know why we do that, but I do it. I do it too. Mm-hmm. I guess it's just, a, it's just a habit. I, You're right, Todd. It's probably not necessary for us to do that. Well, there is a reason. There is one. Or is there? Well, there's one. And I think the reason I implemented it, the, um, and, and it's why I put it in my show title on my website, um, vision impaired folks want to know what episode it is. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. If, so if they've listened to example, one, one, six, five, they don't want to skip one, one, six, six to get one, one, six, seven. So, but doesn't that, uh, don't there, their text screen- readers tell them that I think so, but I think oftentimes maybe again this was this the reason I was asked to put the episode number was from vision impaired. So 
for me, it was just okay. Simple. Wasn't a big deal. Uh, because I think I dropped it and people came back. I, I dropped it in the early days and I, I got uh, pushback. And it also, and, it, and there may have been some pushback from the audience members too because they, they remember which episode they listened to last. And they want to make sure they didn't miss an episode. So, um, yeah. radio's just on, you know, so you're not listening to it. You know, you're listening to linear uh, when you're listening to radio. Unless they've converted to a podcast, but um, I guess that's why, Mike. And it's, and well, I think it's important to have it um, in your metadata on your, oh, your title. If you look at sure. TV and you look at um, podcasting, those are important elements, right? Series one, I mean, season one, yep. episode five. Uh, I, I think with podcasting, the same analogy applies. You know, have it in your your metadata. Uh, it, your text reference. Um, I even put it in my title. I put it in my my uh, my media file um, name. Yeah. Uh, I think those are all good practices. I think some of those practices come from the early days of podcasting when people were using these these little <laughs> these little MP3 players, right? That would uh, show a the only thing that they would show on the screen <laughs> is the is the episode title. Yeah. That's right, and and you had to. That was it. <laughs> yeah, and if you didn't have that number in there, uh, yep. Um, at the very beginning, actually, of the then people would be lost. Yeah, two hundred and fifty six megabytes, folks. You could put about three podcasts on it. <laughs> Three of these shows. Yeah, three yeah. of these shows, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, moving on to our next topic here. Storytelling, still important and might be here to say. Well, yes, of course. We need more storytellers. You know, everyone has to be a storyteller in a podcast. doesn't matter if they're doing a tech show or anything. You have to be a storyteller. Yeah. I mean, ideally, every podcast is yeah. a storyteller yeah. in a podcast. And, and if you're I not... If you're not being telling a story, you need to start. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, a lot of what people talk about in a podcast are stories. You, you know what? You know that's what, the foundation of human communication. You, you know why sailors are such good uh, podcasters, right? It's because we all tell all we all tell sea stories. You know, that's a famous tradition. You you have something yeah. happen and you expound and, you know, you add a little drama to it and you, you tell sea stories. So... It's life experiences. That's what you're doing. Oh man! And you look at uh, like the the late night talk shows on television. Uh, all those celebrities get up there. Guess what? The first thing that they they try and do is they try and tell a funny story. Yeah. And that's what those shows want. And and that's what we do here. We tell stories. Um, some are longer than others. Some are shorter than others. Some yeah. are just thoughts that, that, that we have, but in some ways they're in the format of a story because they have a beginning and an end. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, so the, the, the final thing she has here, Ramona has is binge watching will help podcasting. So long as podcasters create binge opportunities. I don't know. I don't know about this for podcasting. I listen to somebody's show. I'm ready to move to a different show for a little bit. I don't, I can't say that I've ever binge listened. I have one fan 
that's listen it's started at episode one on my show and has worked his way through all the episodes. God bless him. I don't know how he's done it. So I wow. guess that's uh that's a binge watcher. And it's and it's I don't even attribute it to him being a binge watcher, but he's just he's went through the whole stack. I think he's the only audience member ever has. So um yeah yeah i think binge listening to podcasts is is an important um thing i think um if a if a person really likes an ep- likes a show they'll they'll go back and listen to it i think yeah. it also gets back to what kind of content it is yeah <clears throat> if it's linear in its storytelling then mm. yeah i think people will definitely binge listen uh, but if each of the episodes are kind of uh, standalone, um, th- there may be less of an incentive to to binge listen. Or if you're like Adam Curry and John C. Dvork to do the daily, uh, do the, uh, um, oh my God. The uh, news? Yeah. I'm, I'm absolutely, this is horrible. I'm making a colossal sin here. Um, <laughs> the best podcast in the universe. Um no, no agenda. Oh my God, Adam, forgive me. Um, they uh, they do a three hour show, so you just been forced by mis- by 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 uh, effort because it takes you three days to get through it, and by that time there's a new episode ready. <laughs> so the show's long enough and compelling enough that that's the only show you listen to, you know. Yeah, it's a lock-in strategy, right? Uh, and it's a it's a great one. So, and and I'll be honest with you, they do a fantastic job. If you ha- if you haven't subscribed to the show, uh, you know, get ready to get be punched in the mouth. Um, that's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, I need to go listen to that show. I'm gonna go. You've never listened I'm to that go, show? Well, I I have in the past, but I haven't listened to it here recently. So I'll have to go in and check it out. I'd love to hear what they're saying about the whole. You know the the new administration. Oh, then you need to start back about election day, and okay. then and then that's where you need to start listening and listen forward. Um, yeah, by I the way, quit my job now, right? <laughs> by the way, Adam is uh, um, said that he is going to try to come on Podcast Legends. So oh, I'm awesome. Yeah, I'm excited, and then that project has been on the back burner. I've just been so busy. So those of you that have been you know fan of that new sh- and we went you know gangbusters with it there at the beginning but i do have a couple of interviews i got to get published um uh, just waiting for the right timing um but uh, so you feel, uh join us on this show you know i think i asked him to do the interview like post this show but yeah i'll see what i can do he's you know the that show that they do it's a full-time yeah. job it's the, the yeah. prep they have to do is incredible yeah, and but- um yeah. yeah, I'd like to, if I can, got to get him on Legends first. You got to get him down on that <laughs> because that'll drive him, you know, that, that show will be worthy of a million listens. Um, and it's not monetized, but I just want people to hear it from the horse's mouth, you know, hear his story. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited about being able to get that done here at some point. All right. Well, anyway, we went through uh, Ramona's um, stack and um, nice job on this article. So, um, yeah. um, and talking about trends, so good job to her. Let's see, what else did I have in my, you know, there wasn't a lot. Oh, I was going to talk about, um, did I have it linked up? Yes, I 
did. So, um, what was in this article? I saw something. According to Apple, podcasters clocked in over 10 billion downloads and streams globally. I don't know if I said that at the beginning of the show or not. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what else. There was something. I'm looking through a newsletter that shall be shall not be named. <laughs> uh, anyway, okay, I guess I, I I am talking off the top of my head here. Um, don't forget, podcast movement registration is open, and uh, make sure you get your, your tickets early. Um, when the the prices are cheapest, actually, Black Friday was the cheapest day. But go over to podcastmovement.com. Definitely remember that Podcast Florida is coming. So that's an event in February. Uh, both Rob and I will be at uh, Podcast Florida. Then um, I think that's all I had in my stack. Where are we at on time? Well, we're, we're not quite to the end of the show, but we're close. Yeah. So anything else happened this week? And I just, I've had some really, I will say from the business calls I did this week, and I had a number of them, I'm surprised people are, well, they're planning the new year. You know, they're making exploration at this point and, you know, planning what they're going to do in the new year. And I'm really impressed with the intelligence and knowledge level. I'm not having to spend the first 30 minutes on the call going through like podcast one-on-one stuff. Uh, we're getting on the calls and it's like, this is what we're thinking. This is what we want to do. Can we make this happen? How, how, what, what, where do I have the right tools? Am I, you know, is my website supported? Blah, 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 blah. Um, well organized discussions. Um, I'm very pleased. I think what you're going to see in 2017 is um, if, you know, just based on the people that I'm talking to right now, um, that we're going to see some big brands that have not done podcasting in the least, done nothing in podcasting, uh, will be uh, will be joining a party. And one of them, um, it'll be a monumental uh, player coming in the space that um, if they if they start doing what uh, they're talking about doing, um, that'll be news for a month. So um, there's there's so a lo- from a content side or from a distribution side. Uh, content side. Content side. Yeah, content side. Um, so that uh, and I, I think you're going to see uh, news organizations. I think you're going to see uh, uh, people that are in the current media creation business. People that create media for a living and other forms that are not podcasting are, are going to join the party. And, um, and, and I think also what will happen is that, go ahead. I was just going to ask, um, you know, what kind of media companies haven't joined the party yet is the question that I've had. Um, some of the bigger ones. You mean all, I mean, most of them have been playing around with it. Uh, Yeah. There's a few that are you talking about going more all in on it. Yeah. We're going all in. Okay. Yeah. So, but it's uh, these groups have done nothing up to this point. At least the ones gotcha. I'm talking to, they've done zero. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So, 
And if I go much further than that, I'm going to give too much away and then be in trouble. So, uh, but it's, uh, um, have to keep some stuff close to home, but at least on those conversations last week, and that's purely on like, like three phone calls. So, um, three separate phone calls and meetings, but the other stuff that is, um, I think will start to trend is there is a stark reality coming and I don't want to be the naysayer of news that may not be positive to all podcasters, but, um, some podcasters based, you know, we're 12 years in at this point, the advertising situation, um, has gotten better. There's more money being spent, but it's not trickling down as fast as it needs to, to, um, the podcasters that are the, the core of the community, those that are, um, that make up the bulk of the content that's in the, in the space. Uh, we have to start getting those podcasters paid. We have to start, you know, it's the shows that have, um, uh, reach a thousand or 2000, 3000 listeners per episode, um, that are not monetizing that are prime to, you know, start some advertising in the shows. And if nothing else, uh, paying for base expenses or maybe a car payment or something. So, um, you know, as I'm focusing on 2017 and I'm hoping by the end of 2017 to be able to, and I think the industry is going to, and you have companies like AdWiz and Triton and groups like that, that they've invested a huge amount of money in their platforms. Um, they need to start generating revenue, significant revenue on those platforms. And, um, the podcasters at large that are not earning money may have to make a decision on whether or not they're willing to take a, a lower CPM on an ad deal just to get some revenue coming in. So, yeah. you know, that is a decision that's uh, going to be a hard one for many because up to this point, there are, you know, what we have now in the space is we have um, individuals who are misguiding podcasters by saying, your show's worth more than this. Do not settle for $25 CPM. You, your, your show deserves a hundred or whatever it may be. We're starting to see a shift back to people putting outlandish pricing on their shows. I, I think that's great. Go ahead and, and sell that yourself. Um, go out and find a sponsor that fits with your show perfectly with your small audience. Take 100% of that cash up front. Make those um, relationships. And if you can do that, man, congratulations. I wish you, I want you to wish you all the success. But if you are not doing that and you want to earn some money, I think uh, come by the end of 2017, it, it's going to, that will be. Unless something dramatically changes, Rob, which I don't know, you know, some if you know Ford stepped into the uh, uh, marketplace and they dropped fifty million dollars of advertising on the podcasting space, we would uh, we would be forded out by December of next year. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. It, it would it would you know it would fill a huge amount of inventory, but it takes those kinds of dollars to. Um, Push down uh, into all shows. 
someone coming yeah. with a big, big, I mean, big, B-A-B, a big ass budget. <laughs> Do you think those big ass budgets are coming, Rob? Oh, I think it's going to come. It's just, um, I just don't think it's going to be coming as fast as a lot of people would like it to come. Well, I think it's going to take uh, years. Well, it's going to take, it's gonna trickle in. Uh, well, trickle is probably not the right word. It's it, it's just going to come in at a pace that's going to be appropriate for the growth of the of the audience um, in podcasting. Yeah, uh, you know why would more dollars come into podcasting before the audience is there? Yeah, and you know we we missed something. We're oh man, I'm sorry. We're going to go long. We did miss something. Oh. And I, I sent it to you. Is that what you saw in the email? Yeah. 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 I had a big, uh, big conversation with Eric and Newsom about this oh, uh, article please. that he wrote. Um, so let's, let's prep pre prep here. People. I'm sorry. This is worth staying around for, uh, Neiman lab.com published an article by Eric Newsman talking about podcasting stratifies into hard layers and his, his comment out of the gate was, my fears that the ecosystem we have invested in all these years were stuck to resemble the vanity publishing marketplace or the guy selling CDs out of the trunk of his car after gigs, a place that's easy to publish into but rarely use a significant audience. So should you start, Rob? <laughs> well, I had a whole uh, Twitter stream uh, conversation uh, with him and Todd, I can, I, I can send this to you. And I don't know if you want to share that uh, with the community. Why, why didn't we get the the, the premise, a, the abridged the whole thing? Yeah, um, it's basically his comment, and I'm not saying that he's entirely inaccurate here, but uh, he's saying that what's happening is, is that uh, there's a separation that's happening between um, the uh, the big players in podcasting. And the small to mid-size uh, podcasters out there, um, and what we're talking about here is the companies like Gimlet, Midroll, Panoply, Panoply. Sorry, I, I keep mispronouncing that company's name. Wondery, Podcast One, all these is kind of at a different strata of of um, podcasting than everybody else, and somehow um, because of that. Um, the principles that podcasting have been built on or, since the beginning of the medium are uh, becoming less and less important to those bigger podcasters and that they need to be thinking uh, like big media companies uh, in how they pursue it and, and that the individual independent podcasters are going to kind of like um, drift into their own little kind of um, – area of like and he used the the analogy of the indie music labels he's going to think that the uh, smaller podcasters are going to be like indie artists out there that are going to uh, struggle where the big big label artists which is the the gimlet and whatever are are, are the ones that are going to dominate the the medium and I would say that uh, that's probably happening. I'm not saying what he wrote here is inaccurate. I just think it's very cynical and very kind of insulting to the to the people that built this medium that uh, he felt a need to 
to point this all, you know, really kind of bring this to light um, as and somehow moving away from the, the, the podcasting term and to kind of push aside RSS and start driving more content into proprietary platforms like Audible um, is an example of what I'm talking <laughs> about um, is, is very kind of, uh, it doesn't build community of a successful industry. It builds a strata of people that are, um, trying to build companies that are trying to take advantage of the medium. Um, Todd, have I covered it pretty well or is it, you should probably jump in here too. Well, you know, it's, um, I think he's wrong though in saying that the big publishers are slowly evolving out of the space. I don't think so. Something's got to, okay, well he's taking it from the perspective is that the needs of those big companies are so different than the needs of, uh, everyday independent podcasters that, uh, that they can't even have a conversation about the medium anymore. Well, some of those those East coast players are, are doing exactly that. Yeah, exactly. They're playing like they, they own podcasting and then all of us are just here as fodder, just just because we've been here. Right. It's not because we, the independent podcasters know what they're doing or produce good content or have a good ecosystem for distribution. Uh, I, I pushed back to Eric and said, um, RSS is the ecosystem. Um, proprietary platforms are not going to dominate podcasting. We've seen this play out over the last 12 years. I have to laugh. I have to laugh. Open platforms win. Not closed platforms. Right. He says the professional podcast, the, pro- the pres- professionalized podcaster, I'd love bigger legacy media orgs like NPR, WNYC, ESPN, How Stuff works in there too. We'll see a lot of payoff for their efforts this year to produce better metrics and analytics. Hmm. Whose metrics and analytics do some of those folks use? Yeah. Well. Um, and so this is, to make, you know, that I'm kind of like, okay, I guess you really don't know what's happening there. Um, and they want to direct listening away from RSS iTunes. That to me is like, okay, go ahead and pull the gun out, you know, and shoot yourself in the foot. <laughs> you know, it's RSS is not going anywhere. And they, if they want to isolate themselves, go right ahead. Go right ahead. Knock yourselves out. Yeah. You want to put your stuff in a silo? Knock yourselves out. We'll, yeah, see, we'll, see, we'll see we'll see you when you come back like you did last time yeah exactly oh, oh you tried this once right yeah exactly it didn't yeah, work well and oh. you tried to wrap a podcast in drm the last time oh yes yes and you that tr- was a real successful effort yeah so you know, it, it's yeah. it's like no you're not going to capture this medium and make it yours that you can control it's uh-uh. not going to happen because the 90, okay, let's, oh boy, I get to use a, a meme here. The 97%, or no, the 99% of independent, I screwed that up. The 99% of independent podcasters will not let it happen. Well, I mean, I mean, let, let's be honest about it. The, the, these companies will grow based on the principles that exist today in the podcast medium. They will grow off of RSS. 
If they go off of RSS, I can guarantee you they are not going to grow. No. They'll, they'll be siloed. They're going to flatline. And sure, they're going to be able to monetize some of them around big successful shows in a limited way. But if they want to build any kind of an advertising business around this content, it's not going to be successful. Um, Audible is not a representation of what this medium is. Audible is a closed proprietary subscription-based platform that does not do any significant podcast distribution. They, they have one show that they've put out an RSS feed for, and I believe it's just a token effort to represent themselves as being involved in the podcasting space, but they're not. I've been warning. Um, I've been warning podcasters, yeah. Rob. We, we have been warning podcasters about this for a while. And you know, it, 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 it's a stupid analogy and I've said it on here several times and I'm sure people cringe, but you know, when the, the revolution, our USA of A's revolution happened in 1776, there was a battle cry. The British are coming. The British are coming, <laughs> you know, man, your guns and arms or however that goes, <laughs> the suits are coming. The suits are coming. You know, battle your guns and arms, podcasters. It's, you know, they're, they're, they're the corporate suits, people that don't create content, people that don't sit behind a mic and talk to their peers, people that have closed ecosystems and, uh, you know, have the, the Manhattan, uh, Manhattan thing going on. I, hey, I'm, God bless them. Let them continue to build their shows and their networks and grow great content and move the space forward. That's what we all need, and it. But going into a lockdown ecosystem, yeah. yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah. Now this this one paragraph really kind of um, really encapsulates what we're talking about, and th this is the paragraph from the article itself. And I'll read it right now. What does stratification mean to the little guys? Lately, I've heard a lot of um, people talk from smaller podcasters that it's getting really hard to keep up. I don't know what he's really talking about here, but the strategic struggles of a mid roll or panoply feel less and less applicable to them. I don't know why that any independent podcasters would even be worried about that, but, and, and that's okay as long as they feel their independence works in their favor. But I don't think that will be the norm uh, with, you know, with big publishers slowly evolving out of the space, what happens to the overall iTunes RSS-centric podcast traffic? My fear is that that the ecosystem will have uh, that, the, that the ecosystem we have invested in all these years will start to resemble a vanity publishing marketplace for uh, or guy selling CDs out of his trunk. Talk about an insulting association with the podcast medium. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I just, this is such a cynical, it, it's an, it's uh, an thought. insult to the listeners too. It's and an it's, absolute slap in the face. And it's also self-serving too, uh, it is. based on who, who the guy that wrote this and where, where he works. He works at audible. He's a senior vice president for original content development at audible. They want it's a this. very self-serving um, article he put out here. So what did he say on your Twitter conversation? Oh, I just challenged him on all these, um, all these content. I mean, 
I actually I'll send you the link to the the, the comment stream, uh, and you can put it out there. Um, but you know, I know we've been talking about this audible issue for for quite a while on yeah. the show. Yeah. Um, and and how Eric has been really very negative about the podcasting space. I mean, he's been very vocal about changing um, the name of podcasting to something else. He's under but you extreme, challenge him on it. He's but under, you challenge him on it, and he, he can't come up with anything better. He's under extreme pressure to make the Audible system work. And maybe there, maybe he's not getting as much traction over there as he should be, and so he's trying to make the make a course correction by saying these kinds of things. Is maybe trying to force a course correction. Okay, I'm going to read the you. You wouldn't read the Twitter responses. I will. Um, you say uh, okay. So. It's disappointing to see see happen. Seems this what you want to happen? A break from podcast. So basically, you you're coming on the article, and he says, "No, not at all. Just ask to look out at the horizon. That and that is what I see." And you say, "Agree. That is what has been happening for a few years now. Not really new, but th- the but though you wanted the podcast name dropped as it is bad. No, I don't like the word. This is Eric. No, I don't like the word because it's too limiting, and many people don't understand. Wish there was a better choice." But hard to avoid. Well, it's it's not hard to avoid. It's here, and yeah. you say what hap- What is the point of objecting to the name podcast? If no other name is better, described the twelve year old medium. He goes, I have to agree with you. Actually, fifty percent of the U.S. is where only twenty one percent listen. That's a huge disconnection. So he's using a effing survey data that um, I have. Never mind. Um, it doesn't prove anything. Either. Right? Doesn't yeah. doesn't prove that's actually happening. Uh, Ray Ortega, Ray Ortega leaned in and he retweeted everything. <laughs> Speculation central content that resonates with the audience rules is something that. Um, so yeah. yeah, speculation central content that resonates with the audience rules. Um, anyway, so he goes on. Not speculation all already happening. It's not happening. I mean, yeah. if it, you know, it's it it no, it's not happening. It happened at Audible. They're they're a locked ecosystem. Yeah, it happened at Audible. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. what he was dealt with. That's you know, that's the thing he had to deal with. You know, they might try. Well, they have to make money, so they can't unlock it so that people can just access the content. You have to pay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I hate to say, but Eric is the wrong guy to write this article. Um, hate to say, I mean, if this is if if that side of the industry feels this way, um, Eric is the wrong guy to write this article, because um, it's such a self-serving article. It's just but, you uh, know, I, you know, I talked, haven't recently, but the Gimlet guys, the Panapoli guys, they're all great people over there. I know. I the, don't think that the, he he the, speaks for those guys. The, the mid-roll folks, a fantastic team. They're all great. You know, these are. These are these are people helping move the fit space forward. Yeah, and, and they want to see the space move forward as a collective. They may have some different ways they want to do things, but and and why aren't they jumping on this article and and calling it bunk? Um, I, I, I you know I don't know. You know, as as a podcasting community, we got to be. God, 
you know, we got to be, we got to be absolutely thankful that companies like Panoply and Gimlet and all these in midroll and these guys are all moving the space forward and, and coming yeah. in with these massive amounts of dollars that are, they're using to do that. Um, and the risk they took in their businesses to start this and leave NPR and, you know, all this stuff that has happened, yeah. Yeah. you know, um, I'm not saying that what Eric wrote here is necessarily <clears throat> incorrect with what's happening in the space. I actually, I'm, I'm pretty disappointed that these things, this perception exists <clears throat> but, and that, but there is a certain purveyance of people that are reporting on this East coast bubble only and, and ignoring the rest of space, Nick Qua, and I continue to criticize him for not looking outside of his East coast bubble. He reports and, on no one outside of, a few companies. Yeah. I mean, and, and let, let's be also be straight about Gimlet, Midroll, Panoply, and Wondery are not from the public radio space. I mean, they, many of those people used to work for public radio. Right, right, right. But right, the right. content that they're producing is no, not public radio no, content. No, no, that, that, that is true. They came from public radio, but they're creating original content. Absolutely correct. Yeah. They're, all those guys are pure podcasting companies. Uh, I think of, of, well, I think one of those companies is, is putting their content on, on proprietary platforms. I think mid is the only one that I can think of right now. That's, that's trying to build a, a, a proprietary pay model, um, platform. They build it, you know, with their own app. Yeah. Um, and that's but, good but for them. All, all, all these other companies are using standard RSS for the majority of their businesses. Oh, there's no, no other standard RSS is the standard. <laughs> no one is using yeah. anything other than there's no, if, if there was another standard, I'd already built it. <laughs> so given that Eric has lumped in those companies into this article is really unfair to those other companies. Yeah. Um, because these other companies are not practicing what he's yeah. saying yeah. here. Like, um, like I maybe said, maybe some, some to some degree, but yeah. Well, yeah. Anyway, this is Eric. You're welcome to come on the show and talk about this. Love to have you. Yeah. I know a lot of I you guys. I know said he, that he would be open to coming on the show. Oh, so. good. I know a lot of you guys listen to this show. A lot of you that are in these companies listen because I get comments from you from time to time. So, you know, yeah. we're, we're I nice. Mean, We'd like to come in and, and we'll beat each other up. Right in here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it takes a lot to get get me spun up on this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but, but you get spun is, up. Yeah, this is this is this is going over the the line, I think. Um, and and it needs to be called out. Well, it was just you know what got me spun up earlier in the year was the NPR funky business on measurement that got me spooled beyond belief too. So yeah, oh, yeah. 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 Well, there's a little bit of that in this article too. Yeah. 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 That, oh. that somehow NPR is going to have <clears throat> better metrics than the rest of the space is ridiculous. Right. Because the log files are log files. <laughs> and that that NPR um and and honestly why is he even concerned about that? Yeah. He doesn't run an advertising business. Right. So he's speaking for these other companies and he has no business speaking for them. Yeah. Rob, 
I, I know we went long, but I'm yeah. going to drop one last bombshell, then we got out of, and then we'll get out of here. Okay. After long consideration, I can't even believe I'm saying this. I said it on Twitter already. I've decided to keep the podcast rewards. Wow, Todd. That's, that is a bombshell. But there will be major. It will not be a, any semblance of itself when it comes back. Wow. There won't be any opportunity to for any monkey business as we move forward. That's all. So is it, is it still going to be a, um, you know, just, just your, your awards or is it going to be associated with another company or, uh, no comment at this point. Okay. So I just, uh, you know, I have obligation too. we raised a bunch of money and I did have suitors. I had three different suitors that were looking to buy the site all the deals were worthy of consideration. Um, uh, would have done, you know, would have been financially smart of me to do. Um, but, you know, I did have people come in and, and contribute cash. That cash has not been spent yet. And I feel an obligation to make sure and all those deals included the transfer of that cash to the new entity to rebuild. But um, I'm going to start with the rebuild with the, uh, um, and execute that with the team I had already arranged and we'll, we'll go from there. And, uh, I don't expect a spring podcast awards, probably something, uh, in the fall. I don't know. We'll, we'll get the, the site's gotta be right to, in order to implement the way I want it to implement. And, um, it'll be, um, it's going to be much more straightforward, but I will be at some point be asking for some podcasters in space. Maybe Rob, maybe you can. Maybe you'll be even be able to participate. So uh, I'll leave okay. it at that. Okay. So, and uh, I'm sure no matter what I do, <laughs> I'll take shit for it anyway. So. <laughs> oh yeah. Comes to the territory. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So, but it it was a very very difficult decision, um, knowing all the history and everything that we've dealt with here in the last couple of years. So, but uh, that's it. That's all we're gonna. That's all I'm gonna say at this point. But okay. it will live to another day, and there will be a 12th annual or whatever we're going to call it. There will be. And it will still be partially people's choice. That's a oh, key, key word, partially. Okay. Geeknews at gmail.com. Follow me at geeknews. You can find me at geeknewscentral.com. Of course, you can drop our, drop a line over to Rob Voice as well if you want to reach me over there. Rob, how they reach you? Uh uh, rob at Spreaker.com or Rob at RobGreenlee.com. I have a website at um, RobGreenlee.com and on Twitter um, at RobGreenlee, and that's with two E's. So, Rob, next week is uh, Christmas Eve, so I would suspect we will not be doing a show, will we? I don't know. Uh, we might be able to. Okay. Well, we'll talk about if, that. And, if you're up for it. All right. Um, I am going to be, my wife's working at Hawaiian Airlines, so I may be trying to take a advantages and flight benefits so if i end up in korea or someplace like that weird i'll let you know <laughs> okay yeah that would be helpful I mean, or you can do it from korea yeah that uh considering i have made no plans and just plan on getting on an airplane that should be uh, an exciting adventure so uh wow, like <laughs> everyone thanks for being here uh and if we don't if we're not here on the 24th have a merry christmas if we are here on the 24th We'll see you anyway, but uh, everyone take care. We'll see you next time here on the new media show. Bye-bye.